what positions are likely to be the Falcons' biggest needs next year in 2024, and which former Falcons am I kidnapping from the past to complete this year's roster? You are Locked On Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So, guys, you know me. I'm Aaron Freeman, a.k.a. Mr. Drew, a.k.a. Serious Black and the very humble host of this illustrious Locked On Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, your team every day. And today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs, who are going to help you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. And guys, we thank each and every one of you for making this illustrious podcast your first listen each and every day. Shout out to the everydayers and follow in their footsteps by subscribing or following for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. So today's episode, as we kick off this sort of laid back holiday week, so to speak, uh, you know, we're doing a Monday mailbag and you can stick around to the end of today's episode so that you can find out how much of a psychopath I am because there's certain animals that I want to uh, make extinct or whatever. But, you know, to get the full context of that conversation, stay tuned to the end of the episode. But we'll start things off talking about this Atlanta Falcons team. we got a couple of questions. Uh, our first question uh, comes via Linux McAfee on Twitter at ATL Dirty Bird 65. He asks, Hey, Aaron, love the show, and you're the man. Let's say Desmond Ritter is average to above average next year, and we win 10 to 11 games and win the division. In this scenario, I can't imagine Atlanta looking for a quarterback going into the offseason. What do you think will be our biggest needs uh, going into 2024? In other words, where do you see us being weak this year? And then I have a, another Twitter question from Ritter Season at Dirty Bird Report. He has, if you had to pick any non-Julio or Matt player to add to the current day Falcons, who would it be? So the answers to both of these questions kind of overlap. So as for needs, I kind of look at a true deep threat number two wide receiver as the sort of final piece on the offense potentially, and sort of that alpha edge rusher, that double digit sack guy on the defense as potentially the final piece. Of course, there's so many other positions that over the course of this, you know, next six months could emerge as bigger needs. Uh, but those would be the two I would guess uh, ahead of time would be the best bets. Cornerback could also be very high on the priority list, especially if Jeff Akuda does not have a, a successful season uh, to get that sort of bronze medal as the team's biggest needs. But, you know, for me, adding that sort of Will Fuller type of, of speed threat opposite Drake London uh, to me is kind of the final piece for this offense. And, you know, I think, you know, assuming Arnold Nebuchadnezzar doesn't develop into that alpha pass rusher, you know, getting that guy makes a ton of sense. And so if we're applying, you know, in terms of adding former Falcons, if we're applying the Bill and Ted rules, uh, meaning that we can sort of time travel and, and kidnap those guys from their primes, you know, if I'm not allowed to take Julio, who's obviously, you know, one of the most explosive receivers in NFL history and so clearly would fulfill that element in this team's offense, I'd probably go back to 1998 and kidnap Tony Martin. Um, you know, Tony Martin's probably one of the great one-hit wonders when it comes to the Falcons, although technically he did return to Atlanta in, in 2001. But, like, um, 
you know, he, he's one of those players. Like, that would be an interesting conversation. Maybe not this summer, but next summer we might sort of look at the top one-hit wonders for the Falcons, the players that only played like one or two years but had big impacts in those years. And I'm betting there, there will be a lot of, like, 1998 players on those teams as well as, like, 2016 players and, and whatnot. But anyway, Tony Martin definitely, would, to me, would fulfill that role of what I'm talking about, which is, you know, really a number one, but a a number two type of receiver that can take the top of a defense. Um, You know, for edge rusher, I think the obvious choice would be John Abraham, uh, arguably the the greatest pass rusher in Falcons history that's not named Claude Humphrey, at least in the modern NFL. Um, But just to throw a curveball, because Ryan Nielsen wants bigger defensive ends than what John Abraham was, let's go with um, Patrick Kearney. Right. That would that would be my pick for who I would kidnap. So let's go back to like 2002, where Patrick Kearney was playing in Wade Phillips's three, four defense. We'll talk a little bit more about Wade Phillips's three, four defense later on today's episode. And he was like around 275 or whatever he was then uh, and got like 10 and a half sacks that year uh, playing in the three, four. So that would be sort of my pick for one alpha edge rusher that I'd probably kidnap from Falcons history. So we will continue today's Locked on Falcons, answering more listener questions, including whether or not Desmond Ritter is going to be the Falcons quarterback five years from now. And in the process of that, we'll talk about, you know, which current Falcons may have the best chances of being on the roster come 2028. And we'll get into all of that, guys, as we continue today's Locked on Falcons. But just like the Atlanta Falcons, you may have a small business or you may be a hiring manager and you know that your success in 2023 all depends on what team members you surround yourself with. And that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs, where you can quickly attract and hire qualified candidates by matching with people who have the skills, values, and experiences to help you achieve your goals. Think of it like a football team where you're trying to make the playoffs. You'd love to find the right quarterback or playmaker to help you achieve that goal. So put your free job post in front of over 800 million member profiles and find the most qualified candidates with LinkedIn jobs. It's easy to screen and rate applicants based on your job qualifications all on one platform. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs is going to help you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free terms and conditions apply. So our next question on today's Monday mailbag episodes comes from Brian at your homeboy, Brian, your homie, Brian on Twitter. He asked, do you predict Desmond Ritter will still be the Falcons quarterback five years from now? No, not really. Um, you know, I just don't know if the odds are directly in that favor uh, for Desmond Ritter. Still, be. there's certainly a chance that he could be there. It's not like a small chance or anything like that. But you know, it's it's the odds aren't pointing in that direction. Uh, you know, it's hard for any quarterback to be with the, the same team for more than five years, uh, especially you know, non-first round picks. Uh, where you have a financial stake. And so really, if I if I was, you know, it's hard to, I, I generally don't try to project things more than two or three years in advance. Obviously, when we do the, the scouting reports on the draft picks, I will try my best to sort of project what I think a player has the potential to develop into four or five or more years down the road. But, you know, in terms of actually making predictions and whatnot, it's hard to do. But right now, the probably the only player that I could sit here on this roster and feel comfortable if you gave me the odds predicting to still be on the team come like 2028 20, in five years would probably be B. John Robinson. 
and even that is like tenuous because if you look back at the running backs taking high in the draft, like say in the top 20 picks, going back to the, the uh, latest CBA when we had the current rookie contract structure, uh, seven running backs have been taken in the top 20 picks. About 71% of those guys, five out of the seven, did play uh, five or more years with the team that drafted him. They averaged about 4.7 years, although that number is dragged down a little bit by Trey uh, Trent Richardson, who got traded from the Browns in his second year. And if you remove Trent Richardson from the data set, um, that average would be about 5.3 years. And now if you go all the way back to 2000, top 20 running backs averaged about 5.5 years with their teams, and about 68% of those guys made it to year five uh, with the team that drafted him. So those are the odds that basically, the, historically speaking, you can project Bijan Robinson as a first round pick to probably play five or six years here in Atlanta. But other than that, like, again, there are certain players that I feel reasonably good will get second contracts, you know, Kyle Pitts, Drake London, AJ Terrell or whatever. So they'll have a chance to, to potentially play that long. But in terms of making these predictions about who's going to still be a Falcon, there's so much turnover in the league. You know what I'm saying? So if I was to bet other than Bijan, I'd probably bet young way Koo just because kickers have such a longevity. And in five years, he'll only be 33 and presumably could theoretically play like another 10 years in the league if he has the sort of longevity that other players have. Uh, but we'll just sort of have to see about that. So I hope that answers your question, Brian. Our next question comes from Lance Lehman on Twitter at Arrow Lance. He says, who was better, Patrick DeMarco or Bob Christian? Christian. And so Christian was the more skilled fullback, right? Christian was a legitimate threat as a runner and receiver. So that makes him probably better all around skill set than Patrick DeMarco was. Our next question comes from the Discord from St. Jimmy. He says, if you had to pick one draft pick over the last five years to do over, who would it be? It'd probably be Quinn Miners over Jalen Mayfield. I, I feel like that's the one pick over the last five years where the Falcons had a bad process, right? Rather than just complaining, you know, as we often do, like, for example, the the TJ Watt versus Tack McKinley stuff. That wasn't a bad process, you know, hot, spicy take. I don't think the Falcons process in taking Tack McKinley over TJ Watt was a bad process. They just didn't get the result that they wanted. And so oftentimes when people want to redo these draft picks, it's just based purely off of let's get a better result. And, you know, my philosophy is like, if you put a player in a different environment than what he was, you're probably not going to get the same result as he was like, you know, not to say that TJ Watt would have been a bust if the Falcons had drafted him, but he went to a perfect situation in Pittsburgh. And so you got the best version of TJ Watt and the idea that TJ Watt, if he comes to Atlanta, for example, like the Falcons would want him to maybe put on 15 pounds and maybe he's not as ex explosive a pass rusher because of that or something like that. And so therefore the idea that you can just sort of swap results by just doing over the draft pick, I don't really believe in that philosophy. So minors over Mayfield to me was a, a bad process because the Falcons needed an, an immediate impact left guard and not a project like Jalen Mayfield and someone like Quinn Miners, although, you know, like all NFL players and especially offensive linemen has taken some time to get ready. Miners to me was much more pro ready than Jalen Mayfield and, and a much better fit in what the Falcons want to do offensively uh, than Mayfield was. But our next question comes from the Discord as well from Spacebar. Our next two questions come from Spacebar and Discord. He says, first one is, I've always been curious, and maybe you could do an episode on this, and don't ever suggest that I can do an episode. It's a three-minute segment tops. Uh, but why would you play a 3-3-5 nickel front over a traditional 4-2-5 alignment? And would either front change what you do in the back end, or does alignment on of the front run independently from what, coverage you're going to play in either situation um 
I'm not as knowledgeable about the intricacies of the three, three, five, because it's primarily a college defense. Uh, and so, you know, you may be better off asking like locked on Auburn's host, Zach Blackerby uh, to get his answer. But from what I understand, you know, the idea of the three, three, five is you're getting more speed on the field to deal with the prevalence of spread defenses or spread offenses in college. Like you're basically subbing out like a D tackle for a linebacker so that you can get more fast, more speed on the field. Um, and I don't, as far as I'm aware, there's no particular reason why having that front would affect your coverage. So that, you know, maybe other people have a little bit more insight into how front affect coverages, but to me, I can't think of a reason. Um, so I hope that answers your, your first question, Spacebar. Your second question is also the prevailing wisdom at the moment is the four, three fronts are used more in a penetration type of scheme versus three, four fronts being used to hold your gap. Could you go into a bit more detail in why this is? Also, are there three, four schemes that are more penetrating and four, three that hold your gap? I know defenses use multiple fronts. I'm just curious why this wisdom exists and is it still valid with everyone being multiple in their front usage? Um, yeah, I mean, this was the old school distinction. It's less of a distinction today because of the hybridization that you're you're speaking to. But, you know, back in the day, the 4-3 was a one-gap scheme. Basically, this is what answers your question. The 4-3 is a one-gap scheme where the defensive linemen are responsible for a single gap, and a 3-4 is a two-gap scheme where the defensive linemen are responsible for two gaps, right? And as you can guess, right, if you're in a 4-3, you can penetrate your gap. You can attack your gap and, and penetrate and disrupt through it and still not necessarily be a liability there. And so it was much more of an attacking style of defense while three, four, you can't really penetrate one gap because you're abandoning the other gap. So you kind of have to hold the point of attack, read what's happening on a play and then react based off of the direction of the play will determine sort of which gap should be your primary gap. Now, um, Wade Phillips, as I mentioned earlier, is, is probably one of the more famous examples because this century with coaching in Houston with JJ Watt and, and the Rams with Aaron Donald, you know, ran a three, four scheme, but was much more of a one gapping penetrating style scheme because people were at the time were like, Oh, you can't two gap with JJ Watt. You'll, you, you're, you'll buff your greatest strength and same thing with Aaron Donald. And it's like, okay, well he just kind of hybridized and we're going to play more of a one gapping style with a three, four front. Um, and so I hope that answers your question as for a four, three scheme that two gaps, the four, three under, uh, that we used under Dan Quinn and, and may wind up using under Ryan Nielsen usually doesn't do this, but it can like, you can have your one tech nose tackle two gap uh, like a three, four nose tackle would who's a traditional zero technique. Uh, and you can also have your strong side defensive end in a four, three under two gap at times because he'll often line up in the same way in a four or five technique as a, uh, three, four defensive end does. So that could be one wrinkle, but you would have the other players often one gap uh, opposite those guys. But that's one wrinkle that teams have done in the past. I know Seattle did that a little bit uh, over the years when they had like Brandon Meebane and, and Red Bryant uh, in those roles. But um, what you see more common today, especially with the rise of the Vic Fangio and Brandon Staley style defenses, especially with the lighter boxes that teams are playing is you'll have teams play more of a gap and a half where a player will be primarily responsible for one gap, but also have like secondary responsibilities for a second gap. So it, it kind of balances out the two things. Like you still allow players to be aggressive, but they can't be so aggressive that they completely abandon their gap. So it, it's, you know, it, requires a little bit more discipline. And, and so that 
kind of speaks to the hybridization where it's like, okay, well, you know, we're not one gap, we're not two gaps, so we'll be a gap and a half. We'll split the difference. So that's kind of where teams are going now, especially with the more prevalence of lighter boxes as a way to stop, you know, the explosive passing game um, against uh, the pass and playing with lighter boxes against the run. So hopefully that answers your question, Spacebar. And coming up on today's episode, we'll talk all about why I am a psychopath and, and why koalas and other animals uh, do not deserve uh, to, to live. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll break that down on uh, the rest of today's episode. But tomorrow, if you are an everydayer, uh, again, shout out to you guys. You will be tuning in to uh, Alan Sterk, my guest, joining me to do a Matt Ryan retrospective and talk uh, specifically about, you know, whether or not Matt Ryan is deserving of being in the Hall of Fame uh, when he officially retires from the game unofficially it seems like he's out but we'll we'll see so that will be a discussion on tomorrow's episode so continue to make lockdown falcons your first listen on youtube or wherever you listen to podcasts so wrapping up today's episode we have a question from wombat at wombat hs on twitter he asked do you still think koalas should be extinct and if so can you explain how woefully incorrect you are so again many of you guys are gonna this is gonna come out of nowhere because uh in 2021 i kind of tweeted some thoughts about certain animals that i don't think um i'm not gonna say they shouldn't exist right deserve to be extinct is a strong word but you know like i I don't think the efforts in conserving certain animals should be should be they should they should pull back on it and koalas are one of those animals wombat clearly you're an australian listener and i'm sure i'm upsetting the five australian listeners right now listening to the podcast but like you clearly get it because your name is wombat and like i know koalas are a big cultural thing it's like kangaroos and koalas are the two most recognizable marsupials and australian uh native species on the planet i get it they're cute everybody loves koalas they look so cute but the reason why i hate koalas is they're super dumb and, you know, like my beef is with these these animals. I'm, I'm going to uh, talk trash about koalas, pandas and cheetahs, that these super niche animals that operate specific niches in their ecosystem. I'm sure some biologist is going to come on here and tell me why I'm wrong about this stuff. But look, I've watched a lot of nature documentaries over the last 40 years of my life. And I by no means think I'm an expert, but I'm pretty knowledgeable about, you know, biology and whatnot you know like i I ace biology in high school and all that sort of stuff there is an alternate reality where i'm doing a locked on falcons podcast but i'm actually talking about real falcons is is basically the point so like it's not like i'm just some random dude on either or at least i i don't think so but wombat you get it because wombats are related to koalas they're just as cute as koalas and they're actually kind of badass instead of koalas not these idiotic stupid animals that koalas are that all have syphilis and eat one thing and it's like, you know, get rid of koalas. Oh, no, we're going to have too many eucalyptus trees. And it's like eucalyptus trees are like part of like preventing malaria in the world. So it's like, you know, like really the, the net positive of koalas eating eucalyptus leaves. You know, I don't know if it's really there. But um, the other animal is pandas. Similar animal. Uh, a panda is an apex predator, a bear that he, that basically got super lazy and just decided to eat grass and become a cow. And it makes them so lazy that they don't even want to reproduce. Um, and like, <laughs> I know, I know it's not cross. I know it's not crazy saying all this stuff, but like people are worried about like the Chinese government infiltrating uh, our country through TikTok. But like the most successful propaganda campaign that the Chinese government 
has had is convincing the world that koalas are, or I'm sorry, not koalas, pandas are worth saving, right? Like the amount of money spent to get pandas. This is why every time a panda gives birth, it's international news because, oh my God, this animal that kind of is really terrible at propagating its own species. Like we have to do all this work just to get pandas to, to procreate and i'm just like that's just a lot of wasted money right you know we should be spending that money to conserve orangutan it's like an actual cool and worthwhile animal and whatnot and again i know there's some, some biologists there's one one biologist listening like you you know it's not for humans to decide which animals deserve to live and die and i'm just like mm, okay if you say so uh, <laughs> i mean Kind of is. And then with cheetahs, and I don't have as big a beef with cheetahs as I do with pandas and koalas, but um, cheetahs are like, they they basically almost died out multiple times throughout their uh, ecological history, right? They they There used to be cheetahs in North America, and they went extinct. There's a hint right there. And then the cheetahs in Africa and Asia almost went extinct to the point that cheetahs nowadays, I read that they're so inbred that they're actually more inbred than modern domesticated dogs and cats are which are some of the most inbred animals on the planet um and so it's like cheetahs basically like nature mother nature tried to wipe out cheetahs one time before and didn't complete the mission and it's kind of up to us to to kind of finish the job with with cheetahs and whatnot again they're cool they're fast or whatever but like you know oh man if we wipe out all the cheese like they're 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 just not built to last on the African savanna. Like when you understand like their inability to hunt larger prey, their suc low success rate because they have to expend so much energy. And then when they do actually get a successful kill, that they are really bad at defending it because they're so tired and so small and so weak that pretty much like a, a you know a honey badger can scare off any animal but like a porcupine could scare off a cheetah from its kill if a porcupine was a predator you know so it's it's one of those things where it's like cheetahs kind of suck <laughs> so <laughs> i don't know guys <laughs> I, I know you're sitting here like wow aaron's aaron's this is weird this is a weird turn for aaron he's so he's so reasonable and rational when it comes to other things i'm being very reasonable and rational it's just what happens is like you you're told about these animals and then like the more you learn about these animals it's like these animals kind of suck and they're they're like iconic, right? You know, the panda is the symbol of China. Koala is one of the symbols of of Australia, and and cheetahs are you know the fastest land animal. And it's like, oh my god, you know, this is this is in the Guinness Book of World Records type of animal, and it's like they kind of suck in real life. So, you know, I don't I'm not gonna say that they deserve to die, but you know, if he dies, he dies. A fair sentence. Objection, Do you think they Honor. deserve to die, Mr. Hitting? Answer the question. Carly, Do don't deserve to die. Yes, they deserve to die, and I hope they burn in hell. So that that's kind of described my feeling on those three animals. So yes, uh, wombat. I I do kind of think they deserve to be extinct, and I am not woefully incorrect. I'm actually correct. Um, I'm sure there's one biologist that has the vision that they they know that their job is to conserve and love all animals and whatnot. But they, they know in the back of the mind that these three animals, you know, would you miss them if, if they, they were gone? Like you probably would, you, you really wouldn't not as much as you think you would. That's, that's my spicy take. So that is where we're going to leave it guys. We'll talk all about Matt Ryan on tomorrow's episode and whether or not he's a hall of famer, as well as some of the other great moments from Matt Ryan's time in Atlanta and what, you know, he may be doing moving forward. Uh, as a broadcaster and what he can bring to the table in that regard. And then later this week, we'll be 
doing a lot more NFC South content. So um, stay tuned to see and hear how the various NFC South hosts here on the Lockdown Podcast Network, you know, feel about this Falcons team. And you'll get your their thoughts on not only the Saints and the Bucks, um, but also the Falcons. No Panthers content. Sorry. Uh, you know, I would give a shout out to Julian Council, the host of Locked On Panthers. But Julian, you know, you're dead to me uh, on this. We couldn't coordinate our schedule. So that was not the case. Uh, but, you know, he's ducking me. He knows I'm no, I'm coming for you, Julian. Week one. So uh, we'll, we'll get that uh, come up and on that one. But make sure you stay tuned to Locked On Falcons here as your first listen. Of course, on YouTube, wherever you listen to podcasts for your second listen, check out. Locked on NFL to hear the lowdown on the other 31 NFL teams. And of course, you know, we got locked on Hawks going strong. NBA free agency is kicking off. So check out locked on Hawks with Brad Roland on YouTube, wherever you listen to podcasts to get the lowdown on the latest trades and moves that the Hawks are planning to make this offseason. So, guys, that's going to do it for us here. I hope you have a, a great holiday week end or week or whatever you're doing this weekend. Um, yeah, that's it. Appreciate it.